Corinthians, it was, I think, the first or second Sunday in um, December. And after that, uh, a lot of us have gone through a lot of sickness. Um, I got COVID, I think, the next week. And then I already knew the next passage I was supposed to preach. I was about sickness. Like, this is ironic. I got to f- f- feel this stuff before I preach it, I guess. So it literally, today, we're looking at in Philippians 2, and we're, we're going to look at a man named Epaphroditus, and we're going to learn healthy truths about sickness. We're going to learn today healthy truths about sickness. And so look here, uh, again, the book of Philippians. Philippians is the first church started in Europe. Um, Paul received a vision to go over across the Aegean Sea into Mas- the region is called Macedonia, which is part of the continent of Europe. And he started, a, it was a small church, started outside the city by riverside, mostly women, and then gradually grew and had conflict that involved incarceration of Paul and Silas and persecution. But the church got established, and here we are reading about it as Paul's writing back to them from Rome and telling them to rejoice while he's incarcerated. And he's instructing them. And now we're going to learn a little in biographical insight on one of his uh, fellow workers who's also a church member from Philippi. So let's look here. And the whole theme of it is learning about sickness. All right, here we go. Ephesians, pardon me, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 25 to 30. Philippians 2, verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. Not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because that for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So this passage here, is about Paul sending back from where he is, which is in Rome, a church member that came 800 miles from Philippi and was with him from the church of Philippi, and he's sending him back. And he's describing the the background of why he's sending him back. How many itises are there in the world? That's a suffix for describing a disease, I-T-I-T. S-E-S, itis is like, it's a, I think it came from Latin and Greek or one of those. Itis as a suffix on any word means you got a disease or some kind of inflammation or some kind of problems. I think some of my kids have vegetable itis, you know. They think they do, but it's not found anywhere, all right. Some people have some other kind of, we have arthritis, you know. Um, they say I have sinusitis. Ah, whatever. Okay, so some of you already knew that. You can tell. Um, there's itises, right? That uh, There's many of them. There's so many. There's going to be new ones, you know. Um, how many of them are there? 
You know, again, we, we have sicknesses abound and types of sicknesses abound and disease. And so we have to just, um, we have to manage it and deal with it. Who's exempt? Okay, I'm not being a smart aleck. I am not being a smart aleck. I, I want to know honestly, did anybody, think about your last 12 months. Did anybody not get sick? We're not going to make fun of you. We're just, I just want to, did anybody not, my dad didn't. Good. We don't want my dad in the last 12 months. All right. Okay, good. Called it, did you? All right. So, okay, dad survived the year. All right. Uh, so, we're not being, we're not being, you know, cocky here about this or arrogant. But we get, we get sick. It's just a mat. It's a fact of life. A lot of uh, maladies, is a lot of uh, diseases and everything like that. All kinds of stuff. Stuff that afflicts the body, the muscles. Stuff that afflicts, well, every system that we have, there's an affliction for it. Uh, the blood, and there's several different types for every system. The blood, the bone, y- your skin, um, your, your eyes, your everything, every system. There's a, to every system God designed, there's an intelligent curse that can get to it. And uh, there's good in this, by the way. We're going to look at it. Um, and then there's, you know, there's cancer, there's disease, there's bacteria, there's virus, there's different sorts, but we're just talking about sickness in general. Here's a man whose name is not describing a sickness. Epaphroditus, the, the suffix, well, what we would think is a suffix, I-T-U-S. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing hidden in there. There's no wink or secret message from God like, this guy, No. His name actually means handsome. If it had a feminine form of his name, it would mean pretty, lovely. But his name means handsome. Uh, Epaphroditus, here's a guy. So let's, let's, let's pause and consider the story of Epaphroditus. This is what sets the stage for us understanding healthy truths about sickness. Epaphroditus, okay, so you have Rome, you have Italy, where Paul is. And... Um, South and east of that would be uh, in Macedonia or modern-day Greece. There's the city, ancient city of Philippi, and a church there, the Philippian church that we're reading about. And the Philippians desired, now listen to this. Here you have this relationship of a church to a missionary, and really much more than a missionary, an apostle. And this church wanted to help Paul. But they lacked opportunity. They did. That little phrase, you, you know, your lack of service toward me, that's not a, 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 an insult. It means that you didn't have opportunity to help. They, he's mentioned there about them, uh, lack of service. He's talking about you didn't have an opportunity to help. So, okay, so here's Paul. They hear about Paul. The Apostle Paul, our church founder, he came through and planted this church and went to jail for it and was, and was beat and bloody. He's, in, he's incarcerated again. He's in a... It appears a home arrest of some sort there, which probably still isn't comfortable, in Rome with a Roman guard chained to him. We want to help him. He's probably lonely. probably doesn't get the best uh, care packages, you know. I don't know if the Roman soldier's sharing anything with him of his lunch. And so they think, we want to help Paul. We want to send, he, he was able to have visitors. At the end of Acts 28, it says that visitors could come and see Paul. And so the Philippians are like, yeah, we want to help him. We want to send a gift to him and some some assistance, a friend or something. But they didn't have opportunity. Maybe the opportunity they didn't have was a person to do it. But it, we don't know. 
but they didn't have opportunity. They lacked opportunity. But once they had opportunity, their care flourished. That is, Paul saw it flourish to them. So what happened was, here's Paul. They know Paul's imprisoned. Here's Epaphroditus. There's not been a, an epistle like this yet. Epaphroditus. They found a volunteer. Let's just put it to you. This is probably what happened, very likely. They found a volunteer to take a care package. I don't know what it was. Figs. I don't know. But stuff. Paul just said it's a sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Whatever the substance was, well, it was actually food or clothes or whatever. Paul symbolically said it's like a beautiful sacrifice that a person would have given to God. Smells good. It's wonderful. So they brought a care package together of some sort, and Epaphroditus was going to be the deliverer. They give it to Epaphroditus, and from all we know, he, went, he it appears he traveled alone. We don't hear of anybody accompanying him. 800 miles by land and sea from Philippi to Rome. So he gets his, he gets, I mean, he's the FedEx here, you know, with more, or with, uh, you know, um, I don't think that FedEx does food. Maybe he had food. But anyways, he's going. He's traveling to see Paul. And so they're excited. Uh, Epaphroditus was a, a man who, again, he's from Philippi. The, um, he was saved at some point, we, we fairly assume, in that church. He's entrusted. He's entrusted with some goods and to do some services. He appears that he was a little bit of service with and for Paul then. Paul calls him a fellow what does he call him? A companion in labor? There was some kind of labor he was helping him with. I don't know. Um, so he is entrusted. So Epaphroditus travels, the handsome guy, travels up uh, north and west from Philippi. Cross, he had to go a little bit of boat there unless he, unless he uh, circumvented that little sea. There's a little section of sea between the, the Aegean Peninsula and Italy, unless he went around that, that would have took him extra time. But it was probably two or three months for him to travel this. He's given his time. He's given his effort. He's delivering goods, going to take it to Paul. When he gets to Paul, Paul was excited. He goes, your care of me has flourished again. I rejoice in the Lord. He's excited. In fact, look at his language here in verse uh, 18 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 18. <coughs> Excuse me. He says... Um, but I have all. So he's writing back. This is the kind of the feedback that the church gets about this gift. I have all and abound. I, I am full, uh, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul's saying, hey, boy, that was good. When he writes back to him, he communicates, I got it. Man, that was good. Thank you for that. And Epaphroditus, what a guy. And so... He delivers the, from Epaphroditus, this man who probably is in pretty good shape if he can go 800 miles, and delivered all this stuff, and to the point to where when he delivered it, he spent some amount of time with Paul, where Paul calls him, of course, a brother, and fellow laborer, and companion, what else does he call him there in verse 25? Companion in labor, brother, fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. He's like, this guy is the deal. He's a buddy. He's a pal. He's a brother. He's got some goods with him. Man, I like this guy. Paul enjoyed being with Epaphroditus, according to those plain words there. And he liked it. And uh, however, what we're reading here is Paul, verse 25, says, I suppose it's necessary to send Epaphroditus back to you. 
And he goes on to describe, he had to send Epaphroditus back home. Now, I don't know what the plan was of Epaphroditus to stay with him a long time or to camp out there, find a new house in Rome. I don't know. But he's like, I got to send him back. Why is he sending him back? Well, he had gotten sick. Everybody was upset and worried about what was going to happen to him. Epaphroditus got sick. Now, we don't know if he got sick between his travels from Philippi before he got to Rome. He got sick and recovered and then got to Rome and Paul found out about it. Or what I think probably happened is that he got there, delivered the goods, and went, ugh, and got sick. You ever get it? We have a long haul of work. This happens to me. Long haul, and I'm motivated. I'm doing I'm doing And when it's done, it's like, okay. And my, my immune system does that, too. It's like, yeah, I'm done, too. And then I get sick. I'm like, man, I just, just stayed busy, you know. I don't know if that's really the answer, but that sometimes happens. Perhaps that's what happened to Epaphroditus. He, he forged ahead through his journey and finally gets there, delivers the goods, and he gets sick. And we don't, again, we don't know the timeline, but he got sick, deathly sick, nigh unto death. Look what it says there, uh, verse 27, for, he, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. The word nigh unto death means he was right, it's describing right at the door. He's about to go through the door of death. Here's death. If I just take one more step, I'm in. That's what it's describing. He was right at death's door. Any of, any of us ever been like that? You don't have to raise your hand. Any of us ever been like that? Yeah. Some of us may have been like that. We didn't know it. A car went, vroom, like that. He was right at death's door. I want to pause a second and just, just recognize kind of where we're going to go now. It, let me just stop again. I want us to have this mind, whatever God says about an issue, that's what I want to know, and that's how I want to view life. So we're going to look at what God says about sickness. We want to have God's eyes in mind about it. Now let's pull back to the story. Epaphroditus, though he was probably handsome, I mean, if he was named handsome, he's going to at least try to live up to that, right? You know? Probably a handsome guy from a good church. I don't see why he wouldn't be in good shape. They're going to send him with these goods. He's probably in good shape. Maybe he's like between 20 and 30. I don't know what this guy was, you know? Um, and he's, though he was handsome, from a good church, in good shape, and though he was even doing the work of Jesus, he gets sick, deathly sick. He was not exempt. The word sick here is a general word. It's not Because when we think of sick, oh, I got a cold. This is a general word that means anything that debilitates you or makes you weak. It's the general word. And under those, you could describe disease, virus, bacteria. He just was sick. We don't know what it was. COVID AD 70 or whatever this was. I don't know. Maybe this was the first COVID. I don't know. But see, he's sick. And so, all right, so here, let's pause and think about this. What? Sickness? What is your mind about sickness? I think most of us Bible-minded were pretty probably aimed well. Do people ever have a, a kind of false assumptions about sickness, you think? Maybe like, hey, if, if I do everything right, I will never get sick. Yeah. That's a false assumption. Or if I serve the Lord better than anybody else, I won't get sick. That's a false assumption. Okay, Jacob was sick. Genesis 
And Job, God purposely let Job get afflicted by Satan with boils. He was proving him. And he proved it. He, made, he passed the test. Elisha was sick unto death, 2 Kings 13, 14. There was a dear widow woman with one son who was almost going to die, and she chose to give her last meal to the prophet Elijah, Elijah, and through that, God provided for her. And then next thing you know, her son's sick unto, uh, sick unto death also, where he couldn't hardly breathe. He was sick. This dear woman, that's not fair. But he was. In this case, he got, re- he got healed by the prophet. He still died eventually. Um, Hezekiah, second king, and he was a good king. The good king Hezekiah, 2 Kings 20, verse 1. Hezekiah was sick unto death in those days. God pushed, he, he, fell, he fell apart in front of God. God, please give me some more. God gave him 15 more years. He still died of something. Daniel, Daniel, I think if, there's some people in the Bible you don't read about any sin. You know they're a sinner. You know Daniel was a sinner. But you don't read about any fault of his. But he got sick. The Bible says Daniel was sick in uh, chapter 9, verse 27. He recovered. Lazarus, the one whom Jesus loved, was sick. He experienced a resurrection. Not all do in that sense. Very few. Tabitha, I think Mrs. Devon was teaching about that today to a couple of the kids in her class. Tabitha, a lady who was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did in one of the cities that Paul had, I think Paul or Peter had, Peter had passed through. Good lady, lovely lady appears to be in, in, uh, in deed and in alms deeds, and she made clothing for people, and she died. She, well, she was sick and then died, and then God used Peter to raise her from the dead as a demonstration of some apostolic authority, emphasizing the gospel's authenticity or whatever. But good people get sick. Now, some of you, it's like, I already, I already know that. But we got we to gotta stop and recognize that. Here's a good guy doing the work of Jesus, and he almost dies. None of us are God's... I like what one guy said. He, he wrote a book called Christ and Human Suffering, and he says, none of us are God's cosmic pet. And what that means is we're not exempt from all the laws in the cosmos. Laws of gravity and nature. And look, if I, I've said before, I am not exempt from a disease. I, might, I, I, I don't like saying it. I could have one right now and not know it. Mrs. Flannery had leukemia and did not know it. I am not exempt from any disease, no matter how... Um, uh, maybe tenacious I am serving God or whatever. Now, I can get one a lot quicker if I do a lot of dumb stuff, and you know that. If I do a lot of bad things, I could get one quicker. Uh, but I'm not exempt from disease. I'm not exempt from gravity. If I, wanna, if I go to step off of a cliff, you know, 99.99% is I'm going to fall right down and die, even though somebody might think highly of me or another person. I'm not exempt. Even if I were to seem to accidentally, God is, God is not obligated to rescue me every moment and suspend the laws of nature every moment. If He ever does, that's called a miracle. And if it happened all the time, it wouldn't be called a miracle. That's why it's a miracle. So we're, we are all subject to hit, getting hit by a car, I'm not trying to put a curse on anybody, falling off of something, 
all that stuff, things happening to us, a disease, or whatever, I don't, I, I don't want to catch any of that, and I don't think you do too, but we're not we're, uh, God's cosmic pet because we're His, that, that we won't, you know, subject to that, uh, that we won't have those things happen to us. We're all subject to aging. We're subject to these things of aging, disease, and gravity for now. For now. Let me read you what Spurgeon said here. Charles Spurgeon, Baptist pastor from London over 100 years ago. Why are diseases and pains left in the bodies of God's people? Our bodies are redeemed. For Christ has redeemed our entire manhood. But if Christ be in us, the body is still dead because of sin, even though the Spirit is still alive because of righteousness. It is not till the resurrection that we shall enjoy the full result of the redemption of the body. Resurrection will accomplish for our bodies what regeneration has done for our souls. We were born again, but that divine work was exercised only upon our spiritual nature. Our bodies were not born again. Hence, they still abide under the liability of disease, decay, death, though even these evils have been turned into blessings. This frail, sensitive, and earthly frame, which Paul calls our vile body, grows weary and worn, and by and by it will fade away and die unless the Lord shall come. And even if He should come, this feeble fabric must be totally changed. For flesh and blood, as they now are, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither can corruption dwell with incorruption. For unto this day the body is under, the de- under death because of sin. Listen to what he says next. It is left so on purpose. Why am I still experiencing decay and death and the results of a sin curse? Because the, it is left on purpose to remind us of the effects of sin, that we may feel within ourselves what sin has done and may, be the better, may the better guess at what sin would have done if we had remained under it. For the pains of hell would have been ours forever. These griefs of body are meant to make us recollect what we owe to the redemption of our Lord Jesus and to keep us humble and grateful. Aches and pains are also sent to keep us on the wing for heaven, even as thorns in the nest drive the bird from its sloth. They make us long for the land where, as Isaiah said, the inhabitant shall no more say, I'm sick. Yeah. So let me ask this question. This is the main thing we're going here. Why, is, why, why do people get sick? Why do we get sick and die? By the way, don't want to die early anymore. So could somebody turn on the fan, get some air flowing around here? No need to die while we're talking about it. Russ, you want to maybe get the, just push fan mode for that one. Thank you. Okay, so why does somebody, now let's be kind of particular. Why, why would I get sick? In, in, why would I get sick? I would get sick. There's a couple, there's about three reasons in the Bible, and then I'm going to address the big reason. I might get sick because I'm neglecting maybe the care of my body, right? I might neglect being sanitary, so I therefore get sick on that small cause and effect scenario. Uh, I might get sick because I was fine, but something happened to me. I got something. I got unknown radiation. I get cancer. Somebody coughed in my face and I wasn't aware and I got their strep. I got sick because of uh, I was neglectful or because something happened, an incident. I could get sick. Now, this is something that we don't usually talk about a lot, but according to 1 Corinthians 11, a person can get sick and it could be God specifically chasing, chastening 
that one person. Now, that's hard, to, that's hard for me to judge on another person. You almost have to judge that on yourself. But that, those are scenarios of the Bible that say under which sickness kind of enters in. But here's the, the question is, why does it even exist in the first place? The atheist, again, I'm trying to concise, make concise the subject. If you think about atheism, like, you Christians, how do you explain death and disease? <laughs> Ask them, how do you explain it? And I'm serious. How do you explain death and disease? How do you, here's what I'd like to ask atheists. How do you explain so much good in the world? How do you explain so much evil in the world? That's what I want to know from them. You need to think about that. But they say, you know, the atheist does not have an adequate explanation for an intelligent curse. See, there's intelligent design, but there's an, if you, if, even if you, I got my wife's hair on me, which is like, it's good. There it is. But I messed her today. But think about this. Even like, there's intelligent design, but if even if you can study viruses and bacteria, they're smart. That's part of the sin curse that was uh, mentioned. But, but wait a minute, how do they explain that? Here's the deal. The best explanation, it's not like we totally have everything perfectly resolved. The best explanation that helps my mind is what the Bible says. God made everything good. And man, the devil and man, fell and brought upon themselves the sin curse that's injected in all of nature. He made everything good for us by one man, Romans 5.12. Sin entered into the world and death, that includes all the aspects of it, disease and sickness. Death came upon all men for that all of sin. For as by one man judgment came upon all, so also by one man the resurrection can come. I'm paraphrasing here. The Bible says because of Adam, everything's messed up. Because of Jesus, everything can be fixed. Because of Adam, we all die. Because of Jesus, we can, be, we can rise. So the Bible has the best explanation of why we even have it. Here's what, I wanna, here's what, here's what we'll move, and I'll try to be swift here. Um. What So the best of people get it. What is the best thing we can learn about sickness just from this passage? Here's three healthy truths about sickness, okay? I'll just try to deliver this to you the best I can. First, we learn that it can be a motive. To, it, can, it can serve as a motivation in my relationships. Sickness, when I get sickness, can serve as a motivation when I look around me at my relationships. Here, look at Epaphroditus. Paul says he's writing and telling an explanation while Epaphroditus is standing in front of them with this letter. Perhaps they didn't think they'd see him that soon. But he said, verse 26, He longed after you all and was full of heaviness. Why? Because ye had heard that he had been sick. What's happening to Epaphroditus? He went, he went to be with Paul. He gets sick. He hears of his home church hearing that he had been sick. So what does that do to him about his affection toward them? Do you follow me? They think they know I'm sick. I want to go see him. I want to get better. I want to get back. There's a relational motive of some sort here. He longed that my, the longing is not because, like, man, I miss going to that Philippi cafe and those euros. No, no, it's like I want to, I want to get back to them. I, I miss them. I, and so... There's something in a sickness that produced some relationship appreciation for them. He longed. That means he was driven to get back. 
You want to pursue. You ever see a team? I, I've seen this happen where a team, football, okay, football season, so you got the football teams and they're going back and forth. And one of the teams gets really behind. Fourth quarter, they're, they're behind like 10 points. Fourth quarter, they're behind 10 points. There's like four minutes left. And all of a sudden, I think I saw the Cowboys do this a couple times. All of a sudden, they're like, all right, they're on the other, the other team's 30 and they got to drive. All of a sudden, they're like, crack the whip. Let's go, man. You know, no huddle. And they're moving and they're throwing and they're moving and they're throwing. And I was like, man, how did they? You know, this guy scored a touchdown so quick, like one or two minutes, and, and, and man, they just moved it. You know why? It's getting tight. They're urgent. They're like, man, we don't have much time. And so the, it ramped up their, uh, it ramped them up so they would surge. You know, this, sometimes this happens with us as people. We get sick, and if it gets real serious, you start thinking, wait, wait a minute. I got precious people around me. And you start reevaluating how you feel about them. And... And some people, there's a, there's, a psycho, there's a psychological thing of fighting it. And then some people, they actually have to be where you can tell them it's okay to let go. Because you've about done all you could and you're making yourself miserable. But I'm just saying, when somebody like knows they have cancer, we have at least one here. It can, it can change how you think about things and drive you. And uh, make be a motive for some of your relationships. I remember uh, Mrs. Mrs. Flannery. There's a lot I could tell you about her. She had two kinds of cancer she already went through. Um, I think there was a colon one and then breast cancer, and then she had a bunch of other stuff too. But when she was going through cancer in 2019, she she um, made herself. Johanna and Will got married in January. Two months later, Michael and Australia get married. She's like, I'm going to help them. And it's like it helped her to have something to do. She was driven to be right apart, attached to their, the flowers is what she was helping with. And my wife and I are like, no, it's okay. She's nope, I want to do it. It gave her, it actually helped her surge and give her something to live for and press through her treatment and all that. And she helped them going through cancer, do the flowers for Michael or Johanna and Will's wedding and then Michael and Australia's wedding in 2019. I remember when my grandpa Henry died, my dad's dad, who's a Southern Baptist pastor, he actually used to pastor Arizona Avenue Baptist Church on Arizona Avenue, and then he went to Tucson. I remember when he had prostate cancer and like, that I knew of in 94, whenever I'd go to visit him, which was only a few times before he died, he talked more to me. My grandpa was fairly quiet. He wasn't like totally zip lip, but he was, man, he would, he'd talk more to me. He'd say stuff that I didn't understand at the time, and like, oh, now I know what he's talking about. You know, and I think it was because he knew his time was short, and it made his sickness can make, can be a motive in our relationships. Number two, sick. We need to consider sick recovery. Number two, here's a truth. It's a healthy truth. We need to consider the recovering of sickness as as an act of God's mercy. What does Paul say about Epaphroditus? Well, Epaphroditus was sick nigh unto death, verse twenty seven, but. God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but me also. There's a thought right there. A man who recovers from sickness, and how is it viewed? An act of mercy, not debt. Ah, the debt's already there. I'm going to die by whatever means. Now, later, aggressive, mild, I'm going to die. So if that, and it's because I deserve it being a sinner. 
And if it gets paused, interrupted, set aside for a while, mercy. I don't care if it's my, you know, even just some little, I, get, I don't like getting infections, you know, you push out the ooze. And all. Okay, if you heal from that, thank you, God, still mercy. Or something as severe as a cancer, mercy, not death. He doesn't owe me anything. That we should let sink in. God doesn't owe me anything. People said several times to Jesus, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. The psalmist did too. Uh, number three, we'll have to skip a couple things. Here's the third healthy truth is we need to count the work of Christ as worth it, even with the threat of sickness or death. Again, what am I saying to you? I'm making statements that are drawn right from this Bible here. That, number one, Sickness can make us appreciate some of our relationships more and be motivated. Number two, recovery from sickness we need to see as, a, as, a, as an act of uh, God's mercy, not death. And number three, we see from the life of Epaphroditus that doing the work of Christ is worth it even if there's the risk of sickness and disease. All right, so let's read. What does it say? 29, receive him therefore. So what happened is he's, Epaphroditus has the letter, the Philippian epistle, and he gets home, and they're all excited. And as they read it, it says, this is what he went through. He got sick. He was almost on death's door. They're, whoa, really? And, and Paul says, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. And hold such, watch this, hold such in reputation. I mean, put him on your shoulders and parade him around a little bit. Because that for the work of Christ, this guy was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to do this mission for me, to, to, to do this uh, missionary uh, gift. So what is that saying? This saying that the work of Christ is worth it even if I get sick. The fact is, is that um, I could get sick not in the work of Jesus. I, um, they held, but I want just a couple thoughts here. They, Paul says, a guy like that, hold him up in high esteem. Regard this guy. Look at this guy. He put his life at risk. I like to read, I think probably Rusty shared some stories in Children's Church about, you know, a missionary that worked with lepers. Hey, that's a, I think kids ought to know about a missionary like that. Or martyr missionaries, stuff like that. I read about a guy, this was recent, um, like maybe 20-something years ago. This guy, Graham Staines, S-T-A-I-N-E-S. He's an Australian evangelical missionary. He and his family, he had a wife, two boys, and I, I know he had one daughter, maybe two. And they served in India to the poor and lepers and preached the gospel and I believe had a church. There was definitely conversions because that became a sticking point with the extremist Muslims. And so Graham Staines, they made a movie about him. It's called The Least of These. I haven't seen it, a film. He and his two sons, watch this, he and his two sons, I think they took a break from school, maybe like a fall or spring break or whatever, and they took a break, and they were maybe taking a week off, and they were going to and fro somewhere, and they were somewhere at, in their vehicle at some place in India. It was actually cold this night. They said, we're going to sleep in our vehicle. And they did. They slept in the vehicle. Now, there was a, some hostility building with a number of the... In, 
people in India. They're not all like this, and nor are all the Hindus like this, but there was a good number of Hindus, this is the case here, who did not like what he was doing. They said, you're forcing conversions on our people. And it, you can't force a real conversion, by the way. And so they were really angry, and there's hostility building toward Graham and his family. Here he is with his two boys, age 6, age 10. They're in a car. They're sleeping. It's at night. They didn't think anything of it. While they're sleeping at night, a mob of 50 Hindu extremists come around, and they set the vehicle on fire and made sure they didn't get out. Burned them. Now, the India government did their best to address that by way of governmental justice. But this was something that obviously is horrible. But he, he, may, he knew this. He, I guess what I'm saying is this guy was risking himself with leprosy. He was risking himself with he knew these people. Were, there was already communication of threats of, uh, of his life, etc. But he stayed at it. A guy like that, you know what I want to do? I don't want to hold up a lot of the athletes very high. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, it's impressive. You know, if you're 6'10", you ought to be able to dunk it. Come on. And you're like, all right, right. But, but like, if you got these athletes, we hold up high, and I, I want my kids to get this. This guy won't hold up. Regard. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. That's a guy to hold up high. He's like, the work of Christ is worth it. How do I view, how do I regard my life? Who do you regard, who do you, who do you esteem highly? Let's wind this down here. I, I, well, let's, let's just do this. Um, are you ever moved when you get sick? I hate talking about this because I feel like I'm going to get hit with something now. But think about maybe it's a time to be contemplative when you're sick. You ever, are you ever moved, motivated? Does it ever get you to reevaluate life? Number two, how do you view God when you aren't recovered yet? Number three, based on this third point, how do you, again, how do you regard your life? And who do you, who do you hold in high esteem? couple other things, just again, just trying to wrap this down with some pastoral statements here. Let's, don't misunderstand, let's all do our best to not get something or give something. Let's all do our best. I'm not being foolish here. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get a cold. We're going to go back into Mrs. Flannery's house. I'll probably wear a mask for a little bit, maybe let the, because we have to help out some things. Do your best not to get it. Do your best not to give something. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of us we shrink from every, a lot of stuff. We shrink from a lot of things. And there comes a point where it's, when am I going to be brave for Jesus? It's okay maybe if a dog nips at me because I knocked on a door. Some of us will take a hit in football or, a, or an elbow in the mouth in basketball, but you won't take an angry person at a door. Well, which is worth doing? For the work of Christ, it's worth having somebody maybe yell in my face over a guy elbowing me in the mouth in basketball. That's worth it. Oh, let's be brave for Jesus, Americans. Talking to myself, too. we got to be brave for Jesus in a lot of these things. 
We're zealous for our politics. We're zealous for our sports and our entertainers. Let's be zealous for Jesus. That's what this guy was. Look at that. I like Epaphroditus. But the last thing we need to think about is, again, I don't have the banner of the cross here, but think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He felt an element of sickness in the sense of weakness. Jesus was made weak. I mean, he's losing blood. He felt that fatigue and he felt our ailments as he's being afflicted and put up on a cross. And he did that. He felt, here's the point, Jesus did indeed feel sick and diseased in that sense and weak and propped up on a cross and accomplished a job while feeling that way and feeling sick and dead so that one day we'll never have to feel sick and never be dead again. That's why he did that. I love the ver- couple verses here. John 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's me. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. What he was saying there is like, whoever really lives and believes in me, you're never going to die. See, Lazarus was raised and died. But he was saying, if you really live and believe in me, you'll never die. You'll never die. That's who Jesus is. And I like, we'll, we'll finish this last thing here. Jesus said, or the, it says in Revelation 21.4, Jesus, God's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more sickness, no crying, nor sorrows. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne says, behold, check this out. I make all things new everything. And I'm so glad that he'll do that and he'll renew it. So we have to, basically what we have to do is manage sickness, deal with it, and deal with it in the mind of, okay, this is, this is a, a, a symbol, a reminder of something bad happened. And, but I have redemption. And it's a reminder that um, whenever I get healed from it, that's just a little shadow of my ultimate healing from death. You ever get sick? You know, I feel revived. I remember when Gabe, Tia's husband, was, went through COVID and he came. I literally, I told him this. He sat right there about where Dylan's at the Sunday he came back this last summer. And I was singing right there. I looked over at Gabe. I'm like, is that Gabe? You know, and he just had this fresh look. Of course, he had, he, there was a spiritual thing. He made his calling and election sure on his salvation. Like, man, he looks brand new. He probably felt that way too. And, you know, so we'll be that. We'll be that. But in, time, in the meantime, let's keep kind of these healthy truths in mind.